Last week, I asked you guys to submit questions to fill out uh, on these cards. Questions you had about dating and being single and being in a relationship and sex and marriage and all those kind of things. Uh, said nothing was off the table. Ask me anything, uh, and, and not specifically what my opinion is, but <laughs> what does the Bible have to say about these things? What does God think about uh, these different things? You guys submitted those questions, and tonight we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about relationship goals. We're going to talk about, um, man, what does the Bible say about our singleness, about relationships, about how to have healthy relationships. Um, that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So I'm going to pray, and then we can, can jump into it. If you have a Bible, uh, we're going to spend most of tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So you can turn to that. Uh, the, the verses will be up there. Um, or uh, maybe your neighbor has a Bible, and they don't mind you looking over their shoulder, right? Uh, Father God, thank you so much for an opportunity to be with our friends uh, here tonight, God. Um, God, today on Valentine's, where, where uh, love, and in particular romantic love, seems to be celebrated everywhere in our culture, God. Um, God, I'm thankful that we've got family we can come and play with and laugh with and have a good time with, God. Um, God, I thank you for the promise of your word that you set the, the lonely in families, God, that, that you set each and every one of us into communities. Uh, God, where we can have deep and meaningful relationships, God. Uh, thank you first and foremost for sending us your son, Jesus, so that we can have a relationship with you, Lord, uh, so we can find our purpose and identity in you. Um, God, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, prepare our hearts to receive your word. Help us to learn something tonight. Help us to, each and every one of us, to take away something uh, that we can apply uh, to our lives, God, and better understand, God, your purpose and your plans for each and every one of us. God, we love you, Lord. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So... How do you guys know who to date? How do you know who to date? How do you date in a way that honors the Lord? How do we choose who to marry? Right? That's a, uh, other than choosing to follow Jesus, who you're going to marry is the biggest decision you're ever going to make. Right? The biggest decision you're ever going to make. If we're single, how do we enjoy and appreciate our singleness? If we're in a relationship, uh, how do we have a healthy, strong relationship? How do we have a relationship that honors God, that glorifies God? How far is it okay to go physically with someone that I'm dating but I'm not yet married to? How can we prepare ourselves now to have a happy marriage in the future someday? And how do we even find a good person to date in the first place? Right? How do we find that person? How do we get that person to notice us? And most importantly, what does God have to say about all this? What does the Bible have to say about all these kind of things? Um, and I, I believe with all my heart uh, that the Bible, uh, the, the, the Bible that we have the, the privilege uh, to, to own, to read, is the inspired Word of God, right? That, that God does have an opinion on, on how we live our lives um, and that, that, that we can turn to the Bible for wisdom. But I want to start by saying that the concept of dating, like the idea of dating, the way we think of it, will be totally unheard of uh, to the audience in which the Bible was written. Right? The way we think about dating, the way we think about going out on dates and getting to know somebody uh, and then, and then like being exclusive and then, and then eventually proposing and getting engaged and then planning a wedding, that would have been totally unheard of to the people at the time the Bible was written. In fact, the way we do dating as a culture is a relatively new concept. It's only just been in the last hundred years or so that we do dating like this. Right? Prior to that, marriages were arranged. Right? Families would arrange Man, I want you, uh, my daughter's going to marry your son, and we'll trade some cattle or some land. We're going to make it work that's mutually beneficial to each family. 
uh, you know, parents would, would, would arrange marriages, families would arrange marriages, uh, and, and dating the way we think of it, where you have any say in it at all, is, is really a relatively new thing. You know, in the thousands and thousands of years of human civilization, it's only in the last hundred years or so that we even do things that way. Uh, because of this, you're going to find the Bible doesn't have a, le- a lot to say specifically uh, about, about how, how you should date. Uh, because again, marriages back then were usually arranged for you. Some of you guys might wish it was still that way, right? <laughs> like, man, I wish, I wish dad, mom could just like pick me out somebody and I wouldn't even have to sweat. I wouldn't have to hassle with all of this. Some of you guys are like, I don't think I'd like who my parents would pick. Um, you know, but then, but then just having that, that stress off your shoulders might be a relief. Um, but, but when the Bible is written, yeah, we didn't date this way. So you're not going to find Bible verses that, that they're going to uh, speak directly to dating scenarios that you dream up. But that doesn't mean the Bible doesn't have rich, rich wisdom that we can apply into how we date, how we pursue relationships, these kind of things. Uh, scripture is full of wisdom to help us navigate singleness, help us navigate dating, help us na- navigate relationships, full of wisdom about qualities that make someone a good partner and a good spouse someday. The good qualities to look for in a husband, to look for in a wife. It has tons of wisdom about how to have a healthy relationship, tons of wisdom about how to have a healthy marriage. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at those things. What does the Bible have to say about those things? We're going to thread in your questions. Um, and, and some of the questions are pretty similar. So like I may answer your question or I may answer one that's very similar to it and just know that's also answering yours. Um, and then there's some questions that I can only lovingly call miscellaneous. Uh, and, and if there's time, we'll get to those at the end. Uh, anyway, um, so first, uh, we're, we're, first we're going to talk about singleness. I mean, most of you guys uh, in here tonight I mean, would, would you know, qualify as single. Um, and as far as the Bible is concerned, all of you except Jackie and I would qualify as single. If you're unmarried, you know, you'd be what the Bible would consider a single person, right? So even, man, I've been with my boyfriend for three years. Well, biblically, you'd still be considered single because you're unmarried. Does that make sense? So when the Bible's given instruction to unmarried people versus married people, you, you would take the instruction of the unmarried person. Does that make sense? Um, so singleness. First, what does the Bible have to say about singleness? Mo- again, most of you in this room are single. Um, even though statistically, statistically, and most of you probably will marry at some point in your life, you're going to have huge chunks of your life where, where you're single. And a lot of you are in that season right now. Uh, and so what does the Bible have to say about singleness? What does the Word of God have to say? And again, like I said earlier, our main focus tonight is going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that he planted in the city of Corinth in ancient Greece. Uh, Paul was a missionary church planter, so he traveled from region to region, uh, preaching the gospel, leading people to Christ, starting churches, get, getting those churches going, getting those churches semi-healthy, right? And then he'd move to the next region and start a new church. And then he would correspond by letters to these churches he planted. And, and, and again, several of the letters uh, there in the New Testament are those kind of letters. First Corinthians is one of those. He's writing a letter uh, to a church uh, that he planted there in Corinth, answering questions they have. And then here in chapter 7, he's answering questions specifically they had about sex, and marriage and, and those kind of things. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to bounce around in that chapter a little bit. We're going to start with verse 7. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. <clears throat> this is what Paul has to say. First of all, Paul was unmarried, right? Paul was single. He never married. I um, mean, some of the disciples were married. Peter was married. But Paul, I mean, he was a single guy, which means he had a lot of time to do, to do missionary stuff and uh, plant churches, all those kind of things. But this is what Paul has to say. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, he says... I wish all of you were as I am, meaning single. But each of you 
has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I would say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. And Paul says singleness is a gift. And honestly, man, if I had my preference, I'd say all y'all just stay single. It's so good to be single. And he'll say why, right? He'll explain why, and we'll get to why. Um, But man, I just want that to sink in for a moment because it's so counter everything our culture throws at us that singleness is a gift. And we feel like if we're single, we're second-class citizens in this culture, right? A culture that so celebrates and love, and particularly romantic love. I mean, man, I'm not somebody unless somebody loves me, right? Uh, man, what a terrible, terrible cliche thing to say, right? Um, you are someone, right? Even if you're not in a romantic relationship, because God loves you, right? Because God made you. Um, but that's the culture we're in where the idea of singleness being a gift hits us kind of weird because, man, that's so different from the culture. That's what Paul's saying here is like, Singleness is not something to look down on or despise. If you're a single, unmarried person, you're not like a second-class citizen to the, uh, to the married person or the person in a romantic relationship. Uh, singleness is a gift, and we should view it that way. Here's how the message paraphrase of the Bible puts this same passage. Uh, the message says, Sometimes I wish everyone were single like me. It's a simpler life in many ways. The, the people in relationships can say amen there, but they don't have to because they don't want to get punched out. Uh, <laughs> He says, he says, but celibacy, and again, in Paul's mind, you know, if, if you're not married, then you're celibate. That means you're not having sex. He says, celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. God gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of married life to others. You know, saying here, singleness, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Being single is almost, man, it's almost a bad word in our culture. Like, oh, you're, you're single? Why can't you find somebody, right? Or you go to the family reunion and, you're, and your aunt's like, like you're, you're not seeing anybody? You're not dating anybody? You're a catch. Don't you know you're a catch? Why don't you have a boyfriend? Why don't you have a girlfriend? Man, what, what, what? you're too picky, right? You hear that. Or, you're, not, you're not putting yourself out there enough. Um, man, tell them singleness is not a bad thing. Paul says, man, I wish all y'all were single. Singleness is not a bad thing. It's not a second class to being married. In fact, Paul says in a lot of ways, being single is better. There are many benefits to being single, and we're going to look at a few of those in depth here in a moment. But it's important for us to realize that, again, we're all going to be single at some point in your life. Some of of you guys, that's right now. Uh, The key to doing it God's way is to first appreciate it for what it is. Appreciate it as a gift. Don't despise your singleness. Don't say, man, I'm just counting down the days so I can have a girlfriend, I can have you know, a wife, I can have a husband, then, then I'm going to arrive, right? Then my life's going to have meaning and I'm going to be fulfilled and satisfied. And you won't, especially if you're, if you're thinking that thing is going to satisfy you. It won't. It can't, right? Uh, you've got to appreciate your singleness as a gift. God does not want us to obsess with finding Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, uh, but rather be content in our singleness until he brings, man, the person that he has for us into our lives. So the couple of the questions you guys asked last week had to do with this. And so I'm going to, I'm going to hit, hit some of these questions. Uh, and I mean, if, if, if it's your question, then yay. Uh, but, but if not, man, I, I still think you guys are all going to be able to relate to these questions. First of all, I just want to say you guys wrote some good, good questions, good thought-provoking stuff, even the, the miscellaneous ones. Question one, how do I love myself? Man, how do I learn to love myself? The Bible says for me to love my neighbor as myself. Well, what if I don't even love myself? Right? How do I be single if I can't even just be happy alone with my own self? That's me elaborating. The question was just how do I love myself? Yeah. <laughs> question two, when you have a constant longing for a significant other, how can you learn to love yourself? 
How can you learn to love yourself when you're surrounded by loneliness? So the most important thing that any one of us can do, single or married, the most important thing you can do is to define yourself, not as the world does, but to rather find your identity in Christ. And who does God say you are? The culture is going to have all kinds of ideas about who they think you are or who they think you should be. And one of the most important turning points in your life is where you decide, I'm not going to let the culture define me. I'm not going to let the world define me. I'm going to find my identity in Christ, who God says I am, who the Bible says I am, and I'm going to stand on that, right? If, if there's anyone here tonight that says, man, I don't, I don't know that I've found my identity in Christ. I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I've never put my trust in Jesus that way. And I, I invite you to try that. Um, I invite you uh, to, to, to pursue God, to pursue Jesus, uh, to come to know him, to pursue a relationship with him. Um, because more important than any earthly relationship, certainly more important than any romantic relationship you're ever, ever going to have is your relationship with God, your relationship with your creator, the God that made you, the God that loves you, uh, the God that loves you so much, he was not content for you to be separated from him by, by all your sins and all that you've done wrong. But he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross uh, so that Jesus could take your punishment so God could extend you grace and mercy and forgiveness, adopting you as his own child, right? That's the good news of the gospel. And you've not yet realized your identity in Christ, that you're a precious son or daughter of God. And that's, that's the most important identity you can have. That's your eternal identity, right? Whoever you're friends with now, you might not be friends with 300 years from now, right? Whoever you're married to now, uh, you're not going to be married to 10,000 years from now, right? But your identity as being a son of God or a daughter of God is eternal. And, and man, it's the most important thing. So, so that, that's one of the keys to appreciating singleness is learning to define yourself, not as the world does, but finding your identity in Christ, being content in him and the person he made you to be. Again, one of the most terrible phrases that couples say to each other these days is something along the lines of, you complete me, right? You complete me. You're my better half. Like, I'm just, I'm half a person and you're the other half. Uh, you complete me. You complete my life. All those kind of phrases. I'm nobody until somebody loves me. All these kind of ideas. Um, and, and they cloud up in the truth that, man, you, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, your identity in Christ, you are a whole and complete person, right? Just you and Jesus, you've got all you need. All you ever need. Um, it doesn't mean man, that, that, that a wife can't be a blessing, that a husband can't be a good thing in your life, but they don't complete you, right? Only Jesus completes you. Um, you are whole and complete in Christ. So learn to delight in God and enjoy Him. Spend time with Him. And I'd also encourage you to cut content of, out of your life that makes you constantly dissatisfied with your singleness. So, man, there, there's stuff in your life uh, that's making you constantly feel low, feel down, feel frustrated with your own singleness. And I urge you, man, to just cut that stuff out of your life. Or certainly cut back on it. There, there's movies you watch that make you feel left out for being single, right? There's music you listen to. Social media, man. You browse social media and you feel like, man, why don't I got somebody, right? This content, we con this media especially, we constantly are taking in that makes us so dissatisfied uh, with, with, with where we're at, right? Relationally, makes us dissatisfied as a single person. I would spend much more time in God's Word, in God's presence, in uh, the family of believers and community and church, I'm in anchoring myself in that identity in Christ instead of consuming media that's just making me feel worse and worse. Amen? How is singleness a gift? Okay, Matt, you say singleness is better in many ways. Well, how? First, being single frees you to serve the Lord and pursue bettering yourself. Your time is not divided in the same way a married person's is uh, or the person that's in like a serious, committed relationship would be. Your time is not divided, so it can be fully devoted to the Lord and growing into the person he wants you to be. Paul continues to talk about the value of, 
singleness, uh, if we drop down to verse 28. Verse 28. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, 28. He says, but if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a young woman marries, she's not sinned. But those who marry are going to face troubles in this life. And I want to spare you from this. Right? Uh, there's a lot that comes with that romantic relationship. It's not what you'd post on Instagram, right? It's not what they put in the romantic movies. Uh, in the romantic movies, you just get like the happily ever after at the end. Um, that, that's really just the beginning, right? And there, there's, there's drama and problems and difficulties that come with a romantic relationship. Uh, is it worth it? You know, does God make it worth it? Of course, but, uh, but he, he says, man, I'd like to spare you from, from some of the difficulties that come um, from, from being in that relationship. It's not a sin to, to want to be in a relationship, certainly not a sin to marry. But he says the married people are going to face troubles, uh, and I want to spare you from this. And then continuing down in verse 32, he says this, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him, thinking how to please God. The unmarried man, he's free just to serve the Lord, do whatever God wants to do with his life. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife, right? How am I going to take care of this woman God gave me, right? How am I going to take care of all these kids? How am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to do this? Uh, he's got a lot more to think about, and he is not fully devoted to God's purposes in, 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 in serving the Lord. Does that make sense? In the same, it says his interests are divided. In the same way, an unmarried woman is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. There's a lot there, right? There's a lot there. Um, you know, there, there's a, a, a saying in the New Testament, this is a difficult word, but if you can hear it, if you can get a hold of this, there's a lot of powerful truth there. Um, at least to get you to the place where you're not feeling less for being single, right? Where you're not constantly despising your singleness, but you can realize there's a lot of value to being single. I have freedoms, right? I have freedoms that Matt and Jackie do not have, right, as a married couple. Um, you know, the, the single person has more time to serve the Lord. We'll hit that one first. Uh, more time to serve the Lord, right? Uh, there, there's times in the day that I need to be with my wife, need to be with my children. Uh, I've got to care for them. Um, and I'm not free just to, to drop everything and go minister to somebody if they need it, right? But as a single guy, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a guy that, in my life group or something that really needed me. I mean, they're calling me up middle of the night, saying, man, I'm in a desperate situation. Can you help? Yeah, yeah, I can come help because I don't have anyone else I've got to worry about. It's just me. So, I, yeah, I can come help you. Whatever you need, man, God is able to use uh, use me in ways that, that, that as a married man, of course, God still uses me as a married man. Um, but there's a freedom there as a single person to minister and to serve the Lord because your, your schedule is just yours. You don't have to take into account your spouse. You don't have to take into account kids and their schedules. As we get older, I mean, our kids' extracurriculars are absolutely bananas. We've got something like almost every night of the week, uh, some nights it's multiple things, two, three things. And so it's like a logistics problem every time, every afternoon. Like, man, how do we get the one to ballet and the other to track practice? And then the one has piano. Um, and it's like one of those logic problems that you have to do about how to get all the animals across the river, right? That's every day as a dad. Every day as a mom and dad is trying to solve those problems. Um, and, and while the kids are like yelling at each other and you and, and trying to kill each other in the backseat, right? Um, <laughs> Being single, you are free from those kind of complications, right? And, and free, free first and foremost to serve the Lord. So use your singleness, right? If you find yourself single right now, use your singleness to serve others 
instead of constantly wishing you were tied down in a committed relationship. This is the kind of singleness that pleases God. This is the kind of singleness that God can reward. Also notice how in verse 34, he talks about the unmarried person can focus on being devoted to the Lord in body and in spirit. You know, as a single person, you have the opportunity that you'll have at no other point in your life uh, to devote yourself to growing uh, and refining yourself spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, physically, right? This is a time to work on you like you're never going to have at any other time in life, right? Life, as you get older, is not just going to fill itself with opportunities for you to work on yourself and better yourself, right? This is that season. This is that season for you to grow. This is that season for you to grow spiritually, to be the man or woman of God that you really want to be, that God wants you to be. This is a season for you to grow an emotional maturity, to grow intellectually, to, to focus on education, right, expanding your mind. This is the, the, the season to work on yourself physically, right? I don't have all the same hours to get in the gym that you guys have, right? I got to work with a little bit I have, right? You, you've got time to work on those kind of things. Um, devote this season uh, to really growing in the Lord before your time and responsibilities are divided. Focus on your education and growing and maturing to be the best person you can be. Some of you guys are so desperate, desperate to find Mr. Right, to find Mrs. Right, but if you're honest with yourself, where you are right now, the person you are right now, is that the person that the man of your dreams or the woman of your dreams would want to marry, would want to be with, right? Or, or do I still have work to do on me? It's tough, right? It's tough. But man, in this season, instead of despising my singleness, let me work on me. Let me work on growing to become the kind of man that the woman of my dreams will want to marry, right? Let me work on growing to become man, that, that, that mighty woman of God that that godly man is, is going to want to marry. Does that make sense? Uh, so let, let's, let's devote ourselves uh, to, to, to growing in body and spirit. Devote ourselves to the Lord. Grow and to be who God wants you to be. Um, also, man, of course, this season uh, is a season to focus on building healthy friendships, healthy relationships. Y'all need friends right? We need friends, man. We need, we need same gender friends that we can hang out with and get along with. Uh, man, we, we don't want to, to get a spouse and they be our, our only friend. That's not healthy. That's not good, right? We need, we need friends outside of that. And, and this is the season where we work on building those friendships, building those relationships. And even once we get a boyfriend, get a girlfriend, we still want to maintain those healthy friendships, right? Don't be that person that gets the boyfriend or gets the girlfriend and then they drop all their friends. That's the worst. That's the worst. And then something goes bad with the relationship and you come back and, and, and you're not as close with your friends. Your friends may not be there at all. And you're like, what happened? You is what happened. And you dropped them. You, you got a boyfriend, you got a girlfriend, and you just disappeared. You went right off the mat. Nobody knows where you were because um, you got so, so focused in on that, on that relationship. Don't be that kind of person. I mean, focus on building those friendships. You're going to need those friendships. I and mean, even carrying on into marriage, you're going to need man, those, those, those same-sex friendships, people you can hang out with, uh, people you can talk to, do stuff with. That, that, that's not your wife. That's not your spouse. Right? That's not your husband. You need that in your life. It's healthy for you to have that. Uh, a question that no one asked, but one that really bothered me when I was a single guy, so I'm going to throw it out there, was... <laughs> Okay, so Paul said some of you have been given the gift of singleness and some of you have been given the gift of marriage. And, and so the question that I had is, well, how do I know which is which? Like, how do I know if I'm, God's calling me to lifelong singleness, right? Like, maybe God wants me to be single forever. There certainly are people that are single forever. Paul was single forever. Jesus died single, we already said. Um, like, you can, be, you, can be a whole, you can have a whole full life and be, and be single, Right? Right? And so how do I know if God's called me to single? This is a problem that really bothered me because I didn't want to be single. Right? So, so I, and I would talk to my, my Kyle Alpha pastor when I was a Kyle Alpha student and I'd say, Pastor, 
to Chuck. How do I know if like I'm called to be married or called to be single? Like, how do I know I'm not just gonna walk this earth lonely forever like the Incredible Hulk? Right? <laughs> how, do I, how do I know God's got one, someone for me? Right? Because I didn't want to just bind to the cliche cultural stuff of there's someone out there for you, there's someone out there for everyone. That sounds good, but it's not really biblical. There's no Bible promise that there's someone out there for me. Um, our concept of the one right, is largely a cultural construct. That's not a biblical thing. And so I was like, well, well how do I know for sure then that, that, that God does have someone for me? Or how do, how do I know I'm not called to singleness? And um, I mean, Chuck's wisdom, man, the, the stuff he, he, he spoke in my life really, really helped, is that um, in, in, in a way, your, your heart, your desires are kind of an internal barometer to your calling. There's caveats to that. I mean, of course, our hearts are sinful and deceitful, right? So our hearts are going to lead us all over the place. But, man, a heart that's submitted to the Lord, that loves the Lord, that's trying to go and grow in the Lord, uh, a heart that's delighting itself in the Lord, I believe God's going to shape and refine your desires and give you godly, not sinful, not deceptive desires. He says, man, if you're really pursuing the Lord and you've got a desire in your heart to be a husband someday, to be a father someday, and that's really what it was for me. I wanted a wife. I wanted a whole family. I wanted kids. I wanted to be a dad. Um, wanted to be a husband, and, and as I drew closer to the Lord, that desire did not go away. So, man, that, that desire God's put in your heart to be a, to be a husband someday is, is almost like an internal confirmation that marriage is something God has in your future. Uh, when he's going to bring that person along, I can't say, right? Uh, and, and really, you shouldn't be focused on just looking for her. You should be focused on growing in the Lord um, and making the most of your singleness. Uh, but, but you don't just have to worry, I'm going to be lonely forever, right? If God's really put in the desire in your heart, uh, to, to, to be married someday, right? To be part of a family someday in that way. Um, then, then God in his timing, I, be, I believe, is going to bring the right person along for that. The people that are lifelong single, God gives them the grace for that. He gives them the gift of contentment for that. That they're not desperate and miserable their entire lives, right? They're not 80 years on this earth constantly longing, right, that, to have somebody. Uh, that God gives them a special grace uh, to, to be single. Does that make sense? Okay. So you've learned to be content being single, right? Check. You guys all have that now. You're masters of that. Uh, you've learned to be content being single. You're complete in Christ. Your identity in Christ is secure. But then you notice somebody. You notice somebody. Man, in the, in the, in the, in the drama, in the drama when O'Shea uh, noticed Dion walk by him, he did. He was, he was rolling and flipping. That was great. I love that. Uh, so, so again, you're, you're not half a person. You're complete. You're whole in Christ. Amen. But you notice somebody. You notice somebody. Um, let's talk about dating. Let's talk about, man, how do we pursue people in a godly way? Go, going back uh, in the same chapter, we're going back to verse 9. Uh, Paul says this. Paul says, yeah, it's better to remain single, but, but most of you won't remain single. Right? So here's some, here's some wisdom for that. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 says, But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Right? Uh, it says, man, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you've not been given that gift of singleness, uh, then, then, and, and you feel like God's calling you to marriage, then, yeah, you should pursue that. Because it's going to be better for you to be married uh, than just burn with passion. And that passion gets you in all kinds of mischief and trouble. Right? Um, it's better for you to pursue marriage. But, but how do we pursue marriage? Again, we're in a culture where most of y'all's parents are not going to arrange your marriage, right? Is anybody, anybody, their parents going to arrange their marriage for them? Um, so they're like, it'd be nice. They're trying. Yeah, they're, not for lack of trying. Uh, 
Now, most of you are going to have to pursue, you're going to have to figure that out. You're going to have to meet somebody. You're going to have to pursue a spouse. Um, for those of you not called to lifelong singleness, when the day comes that God does bring that person along, uh, what should that look like? How do you date someone in a way that honors the Lord? How do you have a godly relationship where you're pursuing marriage with someone? Again, not just dating just a date. Not just dating to have a good time and then moving to the next girl and the next girl and the next girl. Uh, but really dating to, to find a spouse, to find a husband, to find a wife, to find someone you can settle down with and make a life with. Uh, what does that look like? First, I want to approach it this way first. First, what are the kind of qualities that you should look for in a person that you want to date? And we had a lot of questions along these lines. So I'm going to sum it up with a couple of them. Uh, this, is, this is one question was how... How do we find and know who is the right one, right? How do we know, of all the people we can date out there, 23,000 students at the University of Memphis, how do I know which one's the right one? How do you, and this is another question, question four, how do you know if you found the right one for you? Like, okay, I'm, I'm dating somebody, but how do I know, like, they're the one, right? How do I know I'm, I'm the, one, the one I should marry? Well, what do, you, what do you guys think? What are some qualities that you should look for? Throw me out just a couple, like, one-word answers. What are some qualities you would say to look for? I heard, what? Caring, that's a good one. Godly? Godly? Oh, say that again. Honest? Said that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. What else? Yeah, if you can't be yourself with them, if you're having to play games and be fake with them, how long exactly do you think that's going to last? Right? Um, before, before you self-destruct in a relationship. So that's great. Someone can be yourself. Anybody else? Patient is important. Yeah. What, John, do you have one? Anna says someone looks like Brandon. So handsome. <laughs> yeah, attra attractiveness. Attractiveness is important, right? Someone you can be friends with. Yeah. If you wouldn't be friends with them, then don't be their boyfriend or girlfriend. <laughs> if you don't like hanging out with them. All right. So you guys want to hear my top five? Yeah. You do know it. I'm about to say it. Oh, yeah. The top five. The top five is this, and, and most of the upperclassmen could quote it verbatim. Number one. Number one. It's not up there. I wish it was. Uh, I'll put it in the slack. Number one. Do they love Jesus more than normal? Do they love Jesus? Not just do they love Jesus. Do they love Jesus more than normal? You're going to find a lot of people on this campus say they love Jesus. Right? Oh. Especially if it means they get a date with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Jesus. Come on. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I go to church. I love the Lord. Yeah. When are we? Are we going to? Are we going to showings? Where are we going? Uh, I love Jesus. No, 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 no. Not just love Jesus, because you're going to run into all kinds of people. All kinds of people that are going to tell you they love Jesus. You're going to run run into a lot of people that are going to identify as Christian. Hear me, but don't have a personal relationship with God. They identify as Christian because they grew up going to church, right? Yeah. And, they, and their parents took them to church, or grandma took them to church, and, and they don't really identify as atheists. So yeah, I guess, yeah, I'm Christian, sure, sure I'm Christian. But there's not like a personal relationship with God. They don't really know the Lord. They're not trying to live for the Lord. They don't really know Jesus. So my number one rubric is not that they love Jesus, because you're going to run into a lot of people tell you that. They love Jesus more than normal, right? More than the average person, right? If I could have something on my tombstone, I would love to say, Matt Drain. <laughs> Born died, loved Jesus more than normal. Because yeah. uh, that's what it's at. Man, you, you want a spouse, you want, you want a spouse that's really going for God, right? You want a boyfriend or girlfriend that's really going for God, not playing games. So that's the first one. Do they love Jesus more than normal? Number two, are they servant hearted? How do you know? Well, where are they serving? Where are they serving? Like, look at their life. Okay, they go to class. 
They go to work. They go home. But where are they serving, right? Where are they, are they serving in church? Where, where are they giving back? I mean, where, where are they humbling themselves and serving others? Um, because again, when you're, and we'll get to this when we talk about marriage in a second, looking at a spouse or someone that, that you guys are going to mutually serve one another, is there any service in their heart? Could you call them servant-hearted or is everything about them, right? So are they servant-hearted? Yeah, baby, I'm servant-hearted. I'm so <laughs> servant-hearted. Okay, where are you serving? I want to see, right? Oh, you, oh you, feed the, you feed the hungry, you know, on Saturday? I want, I want to go with you to that. Let's go see that. Oh, you, you help out with nursery in your church? Oh, you lead Sunday school? I want to see that. Where are you serving? Where are you serving? Number three, are they mature? Are they mature? Are they spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, relationally mature? You don't need a date. You don't need a date. You don't need to marry a baby, right? That you've, got to, you've got to be the mom or the dad in the relationship. And they're, they're intellectually mature. They're emotionally mature. They're relationally mature. If they're spiritually mature, right? Um, you, you don't need that kind of immaturity. You, you need someone that is going to be going to be uh, mature, right? So you're going to look. What are some markers of maturity that I see in this person's life, or do they have some growing up to do? That's not, a, you know, that's not like down on them to say they have growing up to do. They're just not at the place yet to be ready to date you. Yeah. Oh. They, 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 they still need to grow in their singleness until they're ready to date you. So are they are they mature? Number four. Is the fruit of the Holy Spirit full in their life? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go to Galatians. Uh, in Galatians, in Galatians uh, Paul, Paul, the same apostle that wrote 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Basically, qualities, characteristics you're going to see in the life of someone that's pursuing God and the Holy Spirit is at work within them. There are lots of different kinds of qualities. He calls them fruit. Uh, picture a tree, right? These are the fruit that are growing on the branches of your life. Um, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit full in this person's life? So what are the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love. Is this a loving person? Mm. Would someone say caring? Yeah. Is this person love? Does this person care? Is this a joyful person? Yeah. Right? Is, it, is this person know how to be joyful? Is this person uh, a peaceful person? Yeah. Right? Are, do, they, do they have a short temper? Right? Do, 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 do things escalate quickly? Uh, you know, are, are they a peacemaker? Can they, can they, can they bring peace? Um, are they a kind person? Oof. Kindness is huge, right? Kindness is huge, especially in someone that you're going to date or marry. Goodness, are they a good person, right? I mean, we don't want to date bad people, villains. Are they a good person? <laughs> faithfulness. Faithfulness. Are they faithful? Will they be faithful to you? That's right. right? And, and, and so what, what fruit do I see in their life that tells me this person's going to be uh, faithful first to the Lord, but also faithful to me? Gentleness. Gentleness. Man, I want to see, uh, and, and for, for you guys, someone that you're going to pursue today, I want to see that their life is full of gentleness, right? That they're going to be gentle to you. That they're not going to be rough with my kids, right? I want them to be gentle with you. I want them to be yeah, kind, humble towards you. Is that fruit of gentleness in their life? Because if I see someone that's not gentle, uh, and that, that's not a tough guy. That's not a strong guy. That's an immature guy, right? That, that the mature person can be gentle. And they know they're strong. They don't need to prove it by roughing up other people and pushing around other people. They can be gentle, right? Because they trust God's in control. Amen? Amen. Gentleness and the last one is self-control. Are they a self-controlled person? Can they discipline themselves? Is their life all out of control? They've got no semblance of self-control. You want to see the fruit of the Spirit in this person's life. And God's giving you a checklist there in Galatians. Okay, are they loving, joyful, peace, patient? Look for that. Look for that. Um, And you may catch some red flags there. Like, man, this person's just not there yet. No, not down on them. They're just not quite ready to date me yet. Um, and the fifth one, 
fifth one, hear me on this one. Do they have a job or at least a purpose or plan in pursuit of a job, right? Y'all are college students. You're not in your career yet, but hopefully you're working towards that. You're in pursuit of that. You have a plan to someday have a job or career. If you guys go, if you guys go to Genesis, when God created the first human being, God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. Right? He gave him a purpose and a calling before he ever got Eve. And in the same way, before you're ready to man, think about this is the person I want to marry, form a life with, what trajectory does God have you on as far as stuff like uh, a career and job and those kind of things? It's not that you have to have it all completely figured out. Um, and certainly, God knows we didn't have it totally figured out. Uh, but, but it helps to know that they're on that track. I mean, do they have a job or are they on their way to a job or are they just kind of bumming around and they basically just a child still. They're just not growing up yet. Okay, man, you, you want to say, do they have a plan? Do they have a purpose? Is it a purpose I can come alongside? Or is it a purpose that doesn't really mesh up with where God's calling me? Because if your callings are, are at odds, you're not going to have a happy life, right? So that's number five. Do they have a job or at least a, a purpose and a plan in pursuit of that job? Um, the book of Proverbs is also full, full of advice, uh, qualities you can look for in a godly husband, and a godly wife, a wise husband, a wise wife. For the sake of time, um, I may just drop a link for that for you guys. Um, but but, but if, as you go through Proverbs, man, there's going to be verse after verse after verse about, man, a godly wife is like this. A godly husband's like this. Um, a wise husband's going to be like this. A good wife is going to be like this. Um, and I'll, I'll drink, drop a link to that. There's lots of good qualities uh, that you guys can look for and say, hey, does this person line up with that? Um, again, the book of Proverbs is full of things saying how a man should be. So you ladies can look and say, okay, is he, is he a Proverbs man, right? Or is he just an immature worldly man, right? Uh, for, for you guys, I mean, the book of Proverbs also has a lot to say about godly women. Um, you know, is, it, is, this a, uh, is this a godly woman? Particularly the, the last chapter of Proverbs, Proverbs 31, is all about the godly woman. The godly woman. You can look at these qualities and say, man, this is the kind of woman I want to marry. This is the kind of woman that's going to make, uh, make a happy home uh, for me to live in. Um, Addition to Proverbs, uh, for you girls, um, can look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3 is where Paul lays out, uh, lays out the qualifications for someone to serve as an elder in the church, right? How do I know if this person's mature enough for leadership? Man, well, that, those are good character qualities to look for someone in that you're going to date, too. Again, I can send you guys that link later. For the sake of time, we won't, spend, uh, we won't spend a lot of time there. So how do you start a new relationship with someone that has these qualities, someone that you can see yourself marrying? How do you start... That relationship, right? Um, it, it takes courage. It takes courage to go up and talk to them, uh, to let them know how you feel, to let them know that you're interested. Um, and and I'd, I'd encourage them to pray about it. Say, hey, uh, I'm interested in you. I'm interested in, in dating you. I'm interested in good, getting to know you better. I think you're an interesting person. I want to get to know you better. Can we hang out? Right? Can we, can we hang out? I, get I say interesting. I say you don't fall on like the on the worldly thing of, of just kind of complimenting their looks. You hear what I'm saying? Like, man, you're you're fine. I want to get to know you better. Man, you're, you're, you're like, figure find a quality that's not their looks, right? To to to, to say that is what is what is intriguing you, interesting you. Um, you may be attracted to them, and I hope you are. But but that's don't don't lead with that at least. Um, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna involve talking to them and, and let them know you're a Christian, you're a believer. Let them know that you want to pray about it. Invite God into the situation. Say to God, do you want us today? You know, I, I, told, I told Jackie that I was interested in her, and she was not yet ready to hear it, and she yelled at me. Um, 
<laughs> several months later, when she came around, uh, when she said, okay, I think, I think I've got feelings for you too. Um, well, the first thing we did is take some time to fast and pray about it. Both of us had dated enough that, that we didn't want to date anymore just because. We'd had our hearts broken enough. We didn't want to date just because. We wanted to know God was in it. If God wasn't in it, we didn't want it, right? So we took time to fast and pray and hear from the Lord before we started dating. But it's going to take courage to go up and tell that person you're interested, right? Um, again, the dating like we do it is only 100 years old. And so in the thousands of years of human civilization, they didn't have to deal with this, right? I'm, I kind of feel bad for you guys that you have to deal with it. But it means that you need some courage. You're going to have to talk to someone and invite God into that situation and say, hey, kid, would you be interested in, in uh, hanging out? I want to get to know you better. Um, and and can, we, can we pray about if God, God has more for this, right? And a mature woman is going to give you a mature answer to that. A mature man is going to be able to respond maturely to that. You guys hear what I'm saying? Once you've started dating... How do you build and maintain a healthy relationship? Uh, the short answer is it involves a lot of talking. A lot of talking. Communication, right? Talking, getting to know the other person in the context of purity that's going to keep Jesus at the center, right? Keep Jesus at the center. Keep that context of purity and keep those lines of communication open where you guys are talking, 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 getting to know each other better. We had several questions uh, from you guys last week along the lines of how to keep God in the center of your relationship. Here's one. Uh, question five, how do you go about bringing God into a relationship and how do you keep him there? How do you bring God into a relationship and how do you keep him there? Um, first of all, I'd say, man, get God into the relationship ASAP, like from jump, like be saying, hey, let's, let's pray about this. Let's invite God into this situation. But as you guys talk, talk about the Bible. Man, what's, what's God teaching you in the word? Man, what did you learn at Bible study this week? What did you learn at life group? What did you learn at church? Uh, you know, well, what's God doing in your life? What's he growing you in? Talk about the Bible, pray for one another, serve together, find somewhere you can serve together, right? Find a ministry that you guys can serve in together, serve the local church together, serve Kyle together, uh, and serve your community together. Um, and these are great ways to, to begin to build that, that healthy relationship uh, and keep, keep God at the center, keep God focused. Um, question number six, uh, this is another question one of you guys had. Do you think that being in two different denominations would cause relational problems? And when you get married, can you continue going to separate churches uh, or should one leave their church? Um, just being honest, I think it, it could cause some difficulties. Um, but if they really love the Lord, then these are problems that can be overcome. Um, if they really love the Lord, then you guys can overcome this with patience and understanding. Jackie and I came from different denominational backgrounds. We we're both Christians. Um, she loved Jesus more than normal. In fact, that's the, one of the first things that caught my attention. Obviously, you see the physical attractiveness first before you know anything about her. But the thing, man, like pretty people are everywhere, right? right. Pretty people are a dime a dozen. I wanted, I wanted a, quality, a quality woman. And so the, one of the first things I noticed, noticed about her was she loved Jesus more than normal. And I saw her every day in Starbucks having her quiet time, Bible open, notebook, journaling. Praying, talking to the Lord every single day. I mean, saw, saw her worship, saw her really love the Lord. Um, so I knew she was a Christian, knew she was a believer, but we didn't come from different denominational uh, backgrounds. And so as, as the dating relationship kind of became more of an engaged relationship, that was a discussion that we had. It's like, all right, are we going to be more in this denomination? Are we going to be in this one? Are we going to be in this church? Uh, that church? Or you know, if we're going to pursue Chi Alpha, it means we're going to affiliate with this particular uh, cooperative fellowship, and so we had to weigh those kind of things. I do think uh, that you really need to go to church together once you're married, though. So you guys are going to have to land on one. Uh, it's not good for you guys to wake up Sunday morning and go to two different places. I don't think. That's my personal opinion. Uh, I think probably it's best for the whole family to go to the same place. But yeah, be patient, be flexible, 
uh, with each other, but, but uh, man, if you guys are both believers and mature, you'll be able to work that out. Um, but end of the day, you probably won't need to land at the same, at the same church, I think. Uh, question seven. What does the Bible say about if you're in a relationship with someone who isn't exactly on the same spiritual level as you, but they're still showing signs of trying? Should you stay with that person, right? So, okay, man, they love Jesus, but maybe not the more, more than normal, or, or, or they're, they're just younger spiritually than me, right? That they're, they're just not quite there, and we're at different spiritual levels, and maybe that's causing some conflict. Do I need to let them go and find someone that's more spiritually on my level? Or if I can tell they're trying, do I need to be patient with them? Um, you know, do I need to stay with that person? Or should you stay with that person? Uh, this is a tough one. I feel like this is probably a case-by-case case one. I'd say possibly. You know, if they really are trying, if they really are trying to grow, um, we're all going to meet each other at different places on the journey, right? If they're really going for the Lord, then, then possibly uh, it, it's going to work. Um, if they're not really going for the Lord and, and you guys are, are really spiritually off from each other, it's going to cause a lot of conflict, a lot of problems. And honestly, it's probably not going to work. Um, the Bible has a concept about being unequally yoked, right? And, and often that's applied to like Christian with a non-Christian. Um, but man, it can also apply to someone that, that, that's extremely spiritually immature and you're going hard for God and they're just not there, right? Uh, yoke, a concept that most of y'all don't have to deal with on a daily basis unless like your family owned a farm or something. It's the, the, uh, the, big, the big wooden or metal thing that goes around the, the neck and shoulders of an animal that's going to pull uh, uh, something to uh, pull a cart or to plow up a field, something like that. Um, and, and a common practice in Jesus' day would to be uh, yoke two animals together. So you guys have seen this, like the long bar, and you've got like two oxen or two whatever animal, and they're, they're pulling the thing side by side. And Jesus said, man, it's not, it's not good for us to be unequally yoked, right? Like you want the, um, the two oxen that you've gotten together kind of about equal strength. If one's way stronger than the other, you're going to do circles, right? Um, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to certainly not going to get where you're trying to go. Um, he says you're going to want to yoke equally also in your relationships in life. Um, this is not just romantic relationships. This is your, your business relationships and other kind of pursuits. If you really join your life with someone that has different values from you, it's going to be a bad time. It's going to be tough. Uh, but particularly in marriage, again, the closest human relationship you're going to have, you guys are going to want to be on the same level, on the same page. Um, so, so again, if they're really working on it, and it, it's possible, they'll get there and it'll work. Um, but, but, but if they're not, and, and you guys aren't in the same place spiritually, then that's probably not going to be a good, good situation. Another common question that we hear a lot, and there's certainly uh, several questions that were in this vein. How far can a dating couple go physically? What should our boundaries be, our physical, our sexual boundaries be in relationships? That's what we're going to talk about now is boundaries, boundaries. To put it another way, how far can an unmarried person go sexually before it's considered a sin, right? Where is that line? Um, to touch on it briefly, the Song of Solomon in the Old Testament encourages us not to awaken love before it's time, right? Don't, don't get all excited. Don't awaken those feelings, all, those, those urges before it's time. Um, the issue is not, the issue, again, for all of these how far can I go questions, is not where is the line, but when is the time, right? It's not how far can I get to the line. It's when is the time for these kind of things. And the time for any and all sexual activity is marriage and not before, right? For all sexual activity, the time is marriage and not before. It's not for when you really, really love the person, right? It's not because he paid for a really expensive day. It's not even when you're engaged, right? It's when you're married, period, period. 
All sexual pleasure is reserved exclusively uh, for the context of covenant marriage. Also, in trying to determine how far I can go with someone, right, and determining, okay, how, how far can we go physically, how far is too far, uh, our approach is wrong. Because we're asking uh, the wrong questions because our heart is deceitful, our heart wants to sin, our flesh wants to sin. It shouldn't be how close can I get to the line without stumbling over it, but it's, and how far away from the line can I get? How close to Jesus can I get? How close to purity can I get? How, how close to that standard of God's holiness can I get? You guys hearing me? Um, not how close, how close to the line of sin can I get without falling over it. Um, again, not where is the line, but where is your heart? Are you trying to grow closer to Jesus? Right? Are you trying to man, live a life that pleases Him in holiness? Uh, or, or are you trying to see, man, how much, how much borderline sin can I get in my life before He's real man? Right? Um, we should be pursuing Christ and pursuing purity. If we go back to verse 1, uh, again, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1, Paul answers a question, again, that many young Christians were asking him. I said this letter is in response to questions that the Corinthian church asked him. Uh, Paul's answering those questions. Again, Christians were asking him them. Christians are still asking this for today. Just point blank, Paul, is it okay for unmarried people to have sex? Is that okay? 1 Corinthians 1, <clears throat> I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1 and 2. Now for the matters that you wrote me about, right? He says, I'm answering your question. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Uh, man there from, from the Greek, we know, meaning mean single unmarried man. Uh, and, and the way the Greek literally translates is a single man should not even touch a woman. Should not even touch a woman. Now the context here is touching in a way that leads to lust and sexual sin, right? It's not forbidding high fives. Inside of it. It's like, it's not saying, I can't, I can't, even, I can't even touch a woman or I'm sinning. It's, it's sexual touch. It's sexual touch, right? Uh, don't, don't touch a woman sexually. Don't, 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 even get her, don't even get her excited that way. Don't do that. Um, he says that satisfaction for our sexual desires can only be satisfied by our spouse uh, in marriage. And for that reason, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The only context that the Bible approves for sexual intimacy is marriage. Again, this is not to, to condemn any of you guys that, that have already been sexually active or, or currently sexually active, but, but, but man, hear the truth of God's word. Sex is for marriage, right? So, so if, if you've been sexually active, man, my encouragement to you is from this day forward, man, remain pure to your wedding night, right? If you're sexually active in a relationship right now, my encouragement to you is stop. Stop, right? Uh, live a life that pleases God. God will bless you for honoring Him in that way. Right? Uh, it's going to be worth it uh, to save that, to wait for marriage. Matt, I've already messed up. What does it matter if I just keep on doing it? It matters. It matters. And when we sin sexually, man, we're, we're heaping all kinds of negative consequences on our life, and we're, bring, we're bringing a curse under our life, a curse under our relationship, uh, to our relationship with God. Um, it's, it's never too late to come to God, to repent, to say, I'm sorry to turn around and say, God, I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, and when we do confess our sins to God, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Right? So that you can be pure, you can be clean going forward. But it's important to stop doing the sin that you're doing, right, that, that, that offends God. If we look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 2. Um, 1 Timothy 5, 2. Paul teaches Christians to treat members of the opposite sex as they would their brothers or sisters. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 5, this is verse, the second half of verse 1 and then verse 2. It says, treat 
Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, and all with absolute purity. Right? And all your relationships should have absolute purity. So if you're not married, um, they're not your spouse. Right? If, you're, if, if, if the wedding ring's not on there yet, if you've not stood in, in, front of, in front of your family and God in them and said, I do, they're not your spouse yet, right? They're your, but they're your brother and sister in Christ. And you need to treat the opposite sex with absolute purity. So, so in, in, in regards, again, taking it back to what are our boundaries, I mean, how do we treat, how do we treat the person that we're dating? What should those physical boundaries be? Um, how would you treat your brother or sister? How would you treat your sibling? Brothers and sisters can talk. They can serve together. They can enjoy each other's company. There's plenty of acceptable, non-sexual ways, man, to build and invest in a relationship. Um, and again, like, don't be hyper-literal. Like, I know that you're like, I want to I do a lot of stuff that I would do on a date with, uh, with, with my sister, but that's not like a sexual thing. But, but just to kind of think about it that way, like, the sexual part of our lives, I mean, we're going to say that for marriage, there still leaves a lot that we can do to enjoy each other's company. You guys hear me? Um, again, our, our story, when we, when we started dating, um, when, when, when we both heard from the Lord and felt like God was saying, saying giving us the green light, be okay. Uh, and and, and from, from day one, I remember where we were sitting, uh, parked in front of her dorm uh, in, in the car. Um, I think it was we dropping you off after, after we'd been uh, driving and just kind of talking and, and hashing things out. And I was like, okay, I, 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 I said, okay, I'm going to start calling you my girlfriend now, right? Like we figured out, <laughs> you know, like God, God's on board. God's on board with it. He wants us together. We feel like, or feel, feel at least like he's okay with us being together. Can I start calling you my girlfriend? She said, yeah. And I think not, not even a few minutes after that, it's like, does that mean we're getting married something? Um, you know, and, and at least that we're moving towards that. You know, like we're not going to date this today, but like we're going to treat it like we're going to get married something. Maybe we do, maybe we don't, but we're going to treat it that serious and, and we're going to, we're going to uh, have, have healthy boundaries. We're going to make sure God's at the center of those kind of things. So we want a good relationship. We want a good, healthy relationship. Jackie had a boundary. She had a rule that she let me know real early. Um, she, she, had a, she had a boundary. She was not going to kiss on the lips until her wedding day. Right? That, that's a rule that she had. Just a personal purity thing. Um, I don't think she, she might be sharing it. It's not that... It's not like she was a super goody two shoes holier than thou thing. The both of us had had dating relationships in the past where we had messed up sexually, where we had crossed those lines that we shouldn't cross. She knew she was probably wiser than I was. She knew herself. She's like, if we start doing that, it's going to be hard to draw the line before we end up doing something we're not supposed to do. So I'm going to draw the line way over here, so we don't even have to worry about it. And at first, I was just so happy she wanted to date me. I was like. Hey, Whatever you say, I can handle that. Uh, but several months into that, I was like, this is really hard. Because I didn't want to kiss her, right? Um, this is really, really tough. And, and so I'm respecting her. I'm not just going to kiss her. I'm not just going to kiss her anyway and uh, get punched in the face or something. But uh, I said, this is really hard. God, and I had to pray, God, would you also make this my conviction too? Like, I need to also have that same conviction for purity or else we're not going to, it's not going to work. Because uh, we ended up dating three and a half years. We got married after we graduated college. And three and a half years, without God's help, right, to, to keep that boundary, would have been really difficult. But I, I can tell you this, God really honored that. God, God really, really blessed our, our life, our relationship, felt like he blessed our marriage because of that, that commitment. Now, I'm not trying to prescribe that to you guys, right? It's not legalism. I'm not telling you, don't kiss on the lips until you're married. Um, but be serious about your boundaries, right? 
I mean, I, I wouldn't say like, okay, if, if it's not intercourse, it's fair game. No, no, that, that's too close. If it's getting you sexually excited, then that's not good, man. Save that for marriage. Save that for marriage. Uh, and figure out what the boundaries are for you and be clear about those boundaries. Be clear about those boundaries. Because we, didn't, we weren't kissing, we had a lot of time just to talk, right? And really get to know each other. Our communication, our communication was on point. I, I have roommates. We have roommates and friends that they're dating relationships. They would just make out all the time. You guys have these friends that they're just, their faces are connected to the other person's faces. And that's it. If they're together, man, they're, they're kissing, they're making out. But the, these, these relationships were not healthy because basically they were strangers. They only kissed. It was only the physical. They didn't know each other, right? Having those clear boundaries left us a lot of time to talk. And we could really know each other well, uh, know each other's hopes and dreams, make sure we're lined up in purpose. You guys hearing me? Um, man, we had time to, to serve the Lord together, right? And we really made serving God together a priority. We served uh, in Kyle, of course. We both served as life group leaders in Kyle. If any Kyle had any kind of outreaches or, or, uh, or service products or anything, we were there. We served in the local church. We volunteered at a couple different youth groups as youth leaders, uh, but we served together. Um, I mean, if, if you're serving God together, man, that gives you an activity to do together that you're not going to wind up in a bad situation. Um, we did things together in groups. Right? We had times that it was just the two of us. We tried to be careful that, that in those times we, we were smart about it, you know, leave, leaving doors open, being in public, that kind of thing. A lot of our hanging out time was in groups of people, groups of friends, that kind of thing. Um, to get to know the other person in the context of what are they like around other people, right? Because people can play games when it's just you and them, right? Get them around their friends when they can't fake like that, right? And then, then see what kind of person they are. Um, here's some more questions that you guys ask. Question number eight, when do you talk about saving yourself for marriage? Like, when in the relationship do you have that talk? When do you talk about sexual boundaries with someone that you're dating? As soon as possible. As soon as possible, right? The first day, the first conversation. I mean, let them know, let them know where you stand on this. As soon as possible. There's no such thing, in my opinion, it's too early. I'm going to weird them out if I bring it up. If it's a godly woman, you're not going to weird her out. She's going to be impressed. She's going to respect that. If it's a godly man, he's going to respect that. If he's immature, he's not going to respect that. You guys see the difference here? That ain't your one. That's not the one. I bring it up on the very first day. That's my opinion. As soon as possible. Question nine. I know sex before marriage is wrong. Currently, I'm sexually active with my partner, and I want to stop, but he doesn't. What should I do? Break up or get married. Those are your only options. Break up or get married. Honestly, honestly, it's probably break up. It's probably break up. Um, if you want to stop and he doesn't respect that, he is not the guy for you. If, if, you're, if you're saying, I don't want to keep doing this, and he's pressuring you to do that, he is not the guy. He is not the guy. Um, and I, I, I'd, I'd break up. I would. Um, the very, uh, this is the very thing that uh, causes Paul to transition in 1 Corinthians 7. He says, yes, in my opinion, singleness is better, but if you're unmarried um, you know, and, and you need to be abstaining from sexual activity, uh, there is an appropriate outlet for those desires and, and that's marriage. And then he goes on uh, in the chapter to talk um, a lot about marriage. Um, uh, I've, I've got more notes for the sake of time. Um, I may stop there. Um, but you guys can read through this letter later. See what he has to say about marriage. See, see what he has to say about um, and how you should treat your spouse. Um, you know, what, what the sexual relationship should look like in marriage. Uh, and, and, and what serving one another looks like. What a godly marriage looks like. Um, just a couple quick things. Uh, a godly marriage, you know, that commitment to serve one another, to put the other person's needs ahead of your own, 
uh, and sex in this context helps us to grow closer to our spouse, to learn to love and serve them better. Uh, marriage isn't just about sex. It's a commitment to spend the rest of your life serving another person. This is God's design for marriage, uh, and that's how you have and that, that healthy, healthy, godly marriage. Um, is, is, is finding someone that you can, you can love, you can help them to grow in the Lord, uh, and, and, and you, guys, you guys can serve one another. Um, again, your question might not have gotten answered. Uh, there are a couple of these miscellaneous questions. Brandon, did you want to, you want to ask these? Or you just want me to, to read them out? Okay, so th- again, these are, these are off the wall. We're going we're gonna to wrap up with some of these. These, some of them are funny, some of them are fun, some of them are, are actually serious. Um, was Cupid a Christian? <laughs> Cupid, you know, the fat, the fat baby with the weight, was he a Christian? No, no, Cupid was not a Christian. Cupid uh, is a Roman, a Roman deity. He, he was the, like one of the gods of love. He was the son of Mercury and Venus. Venus was the goddess of love. Mercury and Venus' son was Cupid. And, like he'd shoot arrows at people and make them fall in love. But no, he's like a, he's a Roman, a Roman deity, not, not a Christian, not a believer. That, uh, not existing. Not even close. Not even close, yeah. Um, we touched on this a little bit, one, just on the question, is there such a thing as Mr. and Mrs. Wright and how much of that is cultural? Uh, a lot of it is cultural. Um, man, man, I do believe that God's going to guide you and direct you uh, and has someone, has an opinion on who you date and marry and that you should, should pursue that in prayer. Um, but, but also we can get so obsessed with that concept uh, that we miss out on, 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 on God's grace and the amount of work any relationship with, even if it is Mr. Right. A marriage is work, right? Even if it is Mrs. Right. Man, a relationship is work, um, and, and we need God at the center, and we need his grace. Uh, why are people so afraid of commitment? People are selfish. That's it. Well. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're selfish. Until they mature, they're going to continue to be selfish. Uh, the, the mature person is going to understand the value of commitment, uh, understand that nothing good in this life comes without commitment, right? So once you grow up a little bit and you mature, you'll be ready for commitment. Um, I like this one a lot. Uh, how do you, and this, this can be the last one because I think we basically answered that one earlier. Um, how do you discuss finances with your future spouse? Um, I think this is a good one to discuss early. Not as early as the boundaries one. That's for state, right? That's, that's, that's for state. But finances, you're going to want to talk about early because that is something that's going to affect your relationship together. It's certainly going to affect your marriage. Y'all want to be on the same page with what are our goals financially. Uh, do we want to save? Do I want to spend every cent of my paycheck the second I get it? Right? These are things that are going to cause a lot of fights if y'all are not on the same page about it. Um, and do, are, are we going to you know, obey the Bible? Are we going to tithe? Are we going to give? Uh, we're going to help other people. Do we have godly, godly goals with marriage? Uh, that, that kind of thing. Um, again, thank you guys so much. It was fun to kind of go through these questions and, and hear kind of what was concerning you guys. Um, and, and I definitely want, want to do this again uh, in the future. Jackie, you have something? You got to tell about the first kiss. Okay, so yeah. So we, we dated three and a half years and did not kiss on the lips till our wedding day. Some of you guys know Pastor Chuck. Uh, he officiated our, our wedding. Um, now, you guys understand, it's not that we didn't want a kiss, right? It's because, like, we were trying to keep our relationship pure before God. Um, but that first kiss, like, we were both so excited for it. So excited for it. That when Chuck finally said, you may kiss the bride, our heads came together and our teeth clinked. We, we, both, we both went for it so enthusiastically. So the first kiss, the first kiss was a little awkward. The second kiss, though, was the bomb. It was great. It was so good. <laughs> And every subsequent kiss, 
But yeah, you're right. That first, that first quiz was funny. It's probably on video at our house somewhere on like LG or something. Uh, no, that's good. That's good. Hey, I want to pray for you guys as, as we end tonight. Uh, tonight, tonight was fun. Uh, hopefully, tonight was useful and helpful for you. Um, uh, yeah, and I just want to pray God helps you guys appreciate your singleness. Appreciate where God has you now. Find your identity in Christ right here, right now. Um, and, and, and allow God to uh, and grow you, develop you in this season. Um, uh, pray that when it comes time to, to, to date, to, to pursue somebody towards marriage, that you can have that godly, healthy relationship. Um, God, give you the courage, maybe, even to, to, to talk to people, those kind of things. Um, and pray for your spouse someday. That God gives you, a, gives you a godly spouse. You guys can serve the Lord together. Um, and there, there's a verse there uh, when Paul, and it's where I wanted to end, but then I put my notes out of order. Um, <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, it's, it's verse 35. Um, he says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best. That's the bottom line. Paul was their pastor, right? He cared about it. He says, Honestly, just whatever's going to help you serve the Lord the best. When, when, when you're finding your spouse, that's a question to ask. Can I serve the Lord better with this person than I can without them? Right? Or are they going to be a distraction? Right? And that's what I want you guys to have someone, not just romantic relationships, but just people in your life that can help you serve the Lord better. Amen. So let me, let me pray for you. Father God, um, thank you so much. We had a lot of fun tonight, God. And uh, God, thank you for the truth of your word. Um, God, I pray that you would help each of us to grow, uh, to become the men and women of God that you want us to be. Uh, that we would live lives uh, of purity and holiness that please you, God. Um, God, that we would date in a way that pleases you, that we would build relationships in a way that pleases you. God, we please you in our current relationships, God. God, if there's things that need to adjust in our current relationships, God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage and boldness to do that, God. God, help us not to be cowardly uh, in, in the way we live our lives and just give in to the culture, uh, give in to the whims of the people around us, but help us to make bold stands for you and do what's right, God. God, I pray for each and every student, God, that, that is in that single, singleness season. Uh, God, that you would help them to appreciate their singleness and not despise it, uh, to use this season, God, as a gift, to embrace it as a gift, and use this season to work on themselves, to grow and develop and mature, to be the people that you want them to be, God, to, to, to be free to serve you, and they would spend their time investing in others, God, and investing in your kingdom, God. Um, and God, I pray that each and every student would know their identity in Christ. And if there's a student here tonight that's never put their trust in Jesus, Ask, ask God to forgive them of their sins and, and, and save them. Um, and I invite you to do that tonight. I invite you to pray a prayer saying, saying, God, I realize that I've sinned. I realize that I'm far away from you, God. But right now I want to put my trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save me. To God, would you save me? Would you make me right with you? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you from this day forward? If you pray that prayer, then God is going to transform your life. He's going to transform your life. And everything you've done wrong is completely forgiven. You're adopted into the family of God as a precious son and daughter. That is your identity. That's your eternal identity. Uh, and nothing can shake it. God, help us to appreciate singleness. God, when the time comes to, to, to date, help us to be courageous to do it the right way. Be courageous to, to, to speak out and uh, step out and let, let people know how we, we feel. Help us to, to be courageous to invite you into the relationship, Jesus, and keep you at the center every step of the way. Help us to be courageous to fight for purity, God. Uh, wanting you to bless our relationships and not keep curses on our relationships because uh, you know, the consequences of our sin, Lord. Um, God, I pray, Lord, for the spouses of, of each of these students, God, uh, that, that you would bring along and a godly husband, a godly wife uh, for the, those students that you, you, you put in the heart, uh, desire in their hearts for marriage. 
that you bring along the right kind of person that they can build a, a, a life together that honors you, that pleases you, that, that like Paul said, they can serve you better together. Uh, that, they, that, that whatever you line up for them is going to do what helps them best serve the Lord. Uh, God, I pray that you just remove fear, fear and anxiety and worry uh, about, about finding the right person or, or having to feel like I've got to have somebody, God. I just pray that our students will be free from that, God, and be able to delight in you, Lord. Uh, we love you. We trust you, God. I pray that you bless these students with everything that's going on in their lives, God, um, with, with classes, with finances, and every other detail, God. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.